On a night almost 200 years ago, November 12th of 1833 to be exact, something truly extraordinary happened, called by people of the time the night that the stars fell from the sky. The Leonid meteor storm rained down 50,000 to 150,000 meteors per hour for one whole night. Terrifying witnesses, as you can imagine. People ran out of their homes gaping at the sky in disbelief, or they ran and hid from fear. Some pronounced it the second coming, Judgment Day. And I am sure that those who beheld that mind-blowing spectacle rapidly started asking themselves, if this is the end, am I ready? Harvard professor Tia Miles reports that some on that night, individuals who enslaved black Americans feared the storm to be God's punishment on them for holding men and women in captivity, a divine judgment on slavery. Extraordinary natural phenomena like the 1833 meteor storm and natural disasters like the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria now, well, they stop us in our tracks. We tremble. We grieve, and we wonder beyond the crucial science of it. Can these events mean something more? And if so, what can they mean for us? Four years after the Leonid meteor storm, Harriet Angeline Powers came into the world enslaved near Athens, Georgia, and grew up quilting. Harriet Powers used her quilts to tell stories, and today she's considered one of the great American quilters, quilt makers, revered especially for two of her masterpieces, the Bible quilt and the pictorial quilt. And you have with you right now an image of the pictorial quilt, and it's actually on display now at the Skirball Museum right here in Los Angeles. Go and see it. I love this quilt. It's jam-packed with panels telling stories from the Bible. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Jonah and the whale, Jesus crucified with Mary and Martha weeping at his feet. And on top of these powerhouse stories from Scripture, she stitched other extraordinary wonders from closer to her own time, like the coldest day ever recorded when everything froze, and an eclipse that happened in 1780, and a pig named Bet who ran 500 miles from Georgia to Virginia, and best by far, Harriet Powers captured the Leonid meteor storm. You can see that panel too. The night the stars fell from the sky. She described it in this way. She said, 
People were frightened and thought the end had come. God's hand stayed the stars, and the varmints rushed out of their beds. Now, I don't know what she means by varmints. <laughs> maybe those are animals or maybe badly behaved humans, and there were plenty of those. But the wonder of her other words, God's hand stayed the stars. This event happened, yes, this terrifying wonder, and it stopped, and Harriet Powers experienced that God was there. Harriet Powers forever capturing that moment of fear and wonder, folding it into her quilt of wonders. And today, we encounter ancient wonders in stories that she must have loved, too, knowing the Bible as well as she did, of Moses and Exodus, and of Jesus transfigured in the Gospel of Matthew, wonders that blew the minds of those who witnessed them for a while, anyway. <laughs> Moses first, from Exodus. You know the story. It covers Moses and the desert with the Israelites as they tried to learn to live in obedience to God, to love only God, not other gods, not comfort, not their own desires, just God. Such a hard lesson for God's people to learn that they learn and forget, learn and forget, learn and forget like we do. Before the passage today, God gives Moses the laws, and then Moses shares them with the Israelites, and they respond with enthusiasm, saying again and again, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They say it multiple times, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Then, in the story, God tells Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu and 70 of the elders and worship at a distance. Moses alone shall come near the Lord and the people shall not come up with him. So a large group, 70 elders, moves with Moses partway up Mount Sinai, but still at a distance from God. And Moses says to the elders, wait here for us until we come to you again. Moses goes up the mountain into a cloud, and for six days he waits in the damp, still cloud. Finally, on the seventh day, God speaks to him, and at this point in the Lord's presence, the cloud switches to a devouring fire on the top of the mountain, and the people of Israel down below can see this fire. These are the same people who've seen many wonders, the sea parted, earthquakes, so many things. And now they see a mountain on fire, but not consumed. And we hear that Moses remains on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights, that Hebrew measure of a full cycle. In later chapters, we learn what God and Moses are talking about up there on the mountain, but 
Right now, let's imagine what it's like for the people down below, the people, the 70 elders who are sort of halfway up, and all the people of Israel who are camped at the base of the mountain, looking hour after hour, day after day at that mountain on fire. Not knowing if, if, if and when Moses will ever return. And we feel this way sometimes, don't we? As we wait and wonder, what do the events in this world mean for us? What does my life mean? Why do I feel like I'm being asked to wait? And what is it for which I wait? The same questions that they asked themselves, we ask too. And, and I wonder if eventually for the Israelites, the wonder, Moses disappearing into a cloud, a mountain on fire with Moses in it, doesn't begin to fade, to, to wear off. You know, day five, day six, day seven. Maybe the people look up and say to each other, that mountain still on fire. And, and maybe by day 40, it's old news and they don't even bother to look. We grow accustomed to the most astonishing things, beautiful things, like the people we love. There they are, <laughs> shining right in front of us, day in and day out, and we forget to see them. And horrors, like the war in Ukraine and the earthquakes aftermath in Turkey and Syria, when we want to look away, we want to forget how long can we instead hold our awareness? How long can we stay awake to all that is happening to us? The good wonders and the terrifying ones as well. When Moses fails to return from the mountaintop for such a long time, the people eventually grow restless. And you know the famous story, how hungry for a new and present power in their lives, they make and worship a golden calf, a terrible betrayal of the promises that they made God. Remember how they said again and again, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Well, they didn't. It's hard to stay aware of the wonders and the revelations in this life. When Jesus brings his friends Peter and our James and, and, and John up a mountain, Mount Tabor this time, not Mount, not Mount Sinai, in a thrilling parallel, though, to the Moses story, Again, we're on a mountaintop, and this time, Jesus' friends see his face shining, his clothes dazzling white, Elijah and Moses appearing beside him, and instead of glorying in this moment of mystery and majesty, just letting it be the extraordinary wonder that it is, and holding off on trying to completely understand it, 
Peter starts planning how to hold everything in place and build tents for Jesus and Elijah and Moses so as to capture and contain and domesticate awe. Next, in this story, a bright cloud overshadows them. God speaks, and Peter, James, and John fall to the ground in fear, finally overcome with awe at a mystery beyond knowing. Poet Mary Oliver puts it like this. She says, Our world is a theater of the spiritual. It is a multiform, utterly obedient to a mystery. Are we as a people capable of surprise and wonder anymore? How? Can we stay awake to the presence of a God that we will never fully understand and surrendering to all the mystery instead, the radiant mystery and the chaotic and the downright terrifying, all the mystery. Moses enters mystery that mysterious cloud and waits those six damp days in silence and then remains with God for 40 days and 40 nights which reminds me doesn't it you of the 40 days of Lent that we begin this week on Ash Wednesday How about this year for Lent, instead of worrying about chocolate and coffee, <laughs> you offer yourself up to the awe and mystery and wonder. Let yourself not know. Let yourself not understand things and sit with that. And it, and, and it may involve grieving because this world can break your heart and it's a lot easier not to look. But as you sit in prayer and as you make your way prayerfully through your days, imagine that you are waiting in the cloud, waiting in the fire, and then watch for signs and wonders. Like a pig who runs 500 miles and stars falling from the sky God is in it all and waiting for you. Amen.